0: A time is coming when nations will rise against nations. Famines will dry the world. Earthquakes will shake the foundations of the earth. A time of great evil and of great distress. The beginning of the end of the world, the end of time, the end of sin then when no one expects heaven will open jesus will return the earth will be made new every knee will bow every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord So keep watch and be ready for the beginning of the end.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here at the 11 o'clock hour. It's been a while since I've been here. So if you don't know me, my name is Tim Homa, and I'm the campus pastor over at our Richmond Rosenberg campus. And uh, our pastor today, Pastor Mark, is a little underneath the weather, so I am um, privilege to be able to step in today and honored to be here as well to bring and continue on in our series. I also want to welcome those of you that are at home online enjoying your nice, hot, fresh cup of coffee, sitting there comfortably. So glad that you could join us as well. And as well as our Missouri City campus and my home at Richmond-Rosenberg. So glad that you're with us today. You know, there are words that have meaning. When I say them, they will elicit a response from you of a certain term But actually, those words mean something different in the past. For instance, the word grin. What's the first thing you think about when I say the word grin? Smile, maybe showing of your teeth. But in all actuality, the word grin actually means when we show our teeth in anger or pain. So when you are smiling at your spouse and you're grinning at them, it may not be for the reason they think that you're grinning at them. There's the word terrific. We can use it both ways, I had a terrific day. I have a terrific headache. But the word terrific, actually, the word terrific, the root word is terror. So you can look over at your spouse and go, you look terrific. And see what kind of response you get from that. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you should try that, but don't do that right now. Another word is the word awe. When we look at a sunset, We think of the word oh, look how beautiful that is, or a new baby, oh, so cute, or kindness from someone, oh, that was so gentle. But according to the Oxford English Dictionary, awe originally referred to immediate and active fear. Different than what we think of that word, isn't it? And the last word, bully. Now we hear that term a lot and it's very negative. We don't want our kids to be bullied, we don't want our kids to be bullied, but the word bully actually meant it was a term of endearment. Like when you reference a good friend or a sweetheart. Oh, here's my bully. Oh, I love my bully so much. Look, that's my best bully over there. Words have different meanings, and sometimes when we hear them, they elicit some type of an emotion. Well, this morning, I would like to talk to all of us, those of us in this room who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. We've all talked and heard about heaven. Last week, Pastor Mark gave us a great message of what heaven is going to be like, what it's going to look like. We studied the book of Revelations. And today, though, we're not going to talk necessarily about how to get to the location. We're going to talk about what happens when we get to heaven. What's going to happen? What's going to take place? But let's be clear right off the bat. The Bible is very clear that the destination for those who are not Christians is an eternity in hell. We know that from Scripture. Separation from God for all eternity. Jesus even says, depart from me, I never knew you. Words I never want to hear from Jesus ever. But this morning I want us to see how the Bible describes judgment day for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. See, when we hear that word judgment, a lot of us go, oh, I've been judged before. I've been placed in judgment before by my, my boss or by my spouse or by friends. I mean, I've been judged by a lot of other people. And We think as a, a negative turn, like it's a bad thing, like judgment day is going to be a bad thing when we get to heaven. But in reality, the Bible presents it as a way of motivating us in our relationship with God. That Judgment Day should motivate us in our current life right now on earth. So let's do that. Let's talk about Judgment Day today. What is it going to look like when we stand before the throne? Well, first thing, every Christ follower, every believer in Jesus, every person who has surrendered their life to Christ will be judged before God. We see in Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 10, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother as we, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat? It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account for himself to God. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due for him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Well, the first thing that those passages say, that we must all appear before the judgment seat. It's not optional. When we get to heaven that day, when God calls us from this earth, we see all the beauty out there, we see judgment seat over there, and we go, oh, which one do I want to choose? We don't have that choice. We don't have an option. We must all stand there on our own. My parents can't stand in there for me. My wife stands in for me for a lot of things. She speaks on my behalf a lot of times, and I ask that. I cannot ask my wife to stand in the judgment position before Jesus on judgment day. It will be me. I will stand before God on my very own, and so will you. Secondly, Jesus himself will be the judge. Jesus himself. It is the judgment seat of Jesus. And third, the purpose of the judgment is to evaluate your life and my life, the life that we lived on earth. That's the purpose of it. And actually, the word, the Greek word used for judgment is called bima. Maybe you've heard that before. The bima of of Jesus, the judgment from Christ. BEMA is actually an athletic term, and it's used when an athlete competes, and there were judges at the end. And when that athlete had competed their event and they finished their event, they would stand before the judge, and the judge would put, would BEMA their judgment on them of how they did in that performance, and they would be rewarded according to their performance. So if they were out there, think of it as a gymnast, a gymnast going out there, and on an apparatus there are judges who are scoring them. And they would be rewarded based on their performance. That's what Scripture is saying to us about receiving our rewards, is that we will stand and be judged by our works here on earth. So in other words, this time before Jesus is not to be feared, it's to be treasured. It should be brought with excitement of the things that we've done on this earth that we're bringing before Jesus, and he is judging those things that we've done here. And so the key to understanding what we will experience as believers is to understand the purpose of Judgment Day. See, the purpose of Christians' judgment is not to determine who is saved and who is not. You're not going to get to heaven and they're not going to have a discussion and they're not going to say you're saved and you're not. No, that's not going to happen. That's already been decided. When you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's a done deal here on earth. That won't happen. There's no judgment of your salvation in heaven jesus said in john chapter 5 verse 24 i tell you the truth whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned he has crossed over from death to life if you've given your heart to jesus you've already passed from death into life that's already been decided done deal Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he continues on in verse 37 and says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen? The judgment seat of Christ for believers is not to determine whether or not you're going to heaven. You've reached your destination. It's done. You're there. That's good news. Rather, the purpose of the event is to determine our rewards. Yes, we're all going to receive rewards. The basis of our rewards is our work here on Earth. Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad." There was a young man, his name was um, Joe Prusak, and Joe uh, was a uh, worker at Dairy Queen. And he was serving, and he was at the counter, and people were coming through, and a blind man came in. And Joe noticed that the blind man took out his wallet, and he was trying to get money out, and he dropped the $20 bill on the ground. Well, then a woman behind the blind man reached down, took the $20 bill, put it in her wallet and purse, and, and acted like nothing ever happened. Well, Joe, this young teenager working at Dairy Queen, was upset. So he went up to the lady and said, why would you take that $20 bill from the blind man? And she she was very aggressively supporting her position and saying, that was my $20 bill. I dropped it. It's mine. And she walked away. Well, Joe didn't skip a beat. He reached into his own wallet, opened it up, grabbed a $20 bill, and he handed it to the blind man and said, you dropped this. And the man was very gracious and very thankful. Well, some of the employees at Dairy Queen saw that. And they told management. And management posted this really positive thing on social media, and it went viral. And Warren Buffett, who is a billionaire who owns stock in Dairy Queen, saw it. He called this young teenager to tell him how impressed he was with his integrity, and he actually invited him to the Dairy Queen's investors meeting because they thought so. they wanted to re- he wanted to reward him for his work. See, even the smallest act that we have done for God will be rewarded by someone far greater than the Warren Buffets of this world. When we do just the simplest things, God's going to reward us. See, guys, we're, we're saved by faith, but we're rewarded according to our deeds. Secondly, our acts will be judged according to four different standards. Four things that we have done on this earth we're going to be judged for. The first one, we will be judged according to how faithful we have been with what God has given us. Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. See that word trust? It's like God has given us a trust fund. Some of you maybe inherited a trust fund, some type of financial fund from your family. Well, God has given us a trust fund. You know what that trust fund looks like from God? Those are gifts that he's given to you, spiritual gifts, abilities, resources, opportunities. These are things that God has given to you. And if we have been found faithful in using what God has given us, we then will be rewarded for that. See, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in the parable of the talents. And remember in scripture, there's that story that Jesus tells of the three men that received talents and talents was a type of uh, money, type of um, income. And the master gave five talents to one guy, two talents to another and one to the last one. Well, the man, if you remember that had five, he ends up going out and doubling his money. He comes back with 10 and master's really excited and rewards him. The man with two comes back with two more. He doubled his. Now here's the kicker. The master did not judge the man with two who went to four in comparison to the man that went from five to ten. You are given certain gifts. You're not held to be compared to other people. You're not going to stand before the the throne of Jesus, and he's not going to judge you. He's not going to put Billy Graham's picture up in yours and go, hmm, It's like putting mine up there like, okay, let's just go to Billy Graham. You're not going to be compared to Mother Teresa. You're not going to be compared to Charles uh, Stanley. Think of any religious all-star that has rocked your world and you've grown so much, you're not going to be compared to that person. God has given you certain gifts and abilities that are uniquely designed for you to be used for his purpose. So don't ever compare yourself to someone else. If someone in your mind is doing something way out there, don't compare what you're doing to them. God doesn't look at it that way. He gives you what he wants you to use for his purpose. But there's the one, there's the guy who had that one talent, what did he do? He hid it, he didn't do anything, he didn't multiply it. He got scolded by the master. He was unfaithful for what what the master gave him, and that's the same with us. We can't be rewarded by God when we're unfaithful with the things that he has given to us. Listen, friends, the Bible says that God has given each of us who who are followers of Jesus spiritual gifts. He's given you talents and abilities. He has given some of you financial resources. He's given you time resources, opportunities. Even your words, how you speak, are opportunities to be used by God. There are so many different things, but they're all trusts given by God. And if today you stood before God and you had to give an account for what you have done with what God has given you, how would it turn out? How would it turn out? Be honest. You know, I'm going to be judged by how well I've loved my wife and family. No doubt. I will be judged on how well i loved my neighbor. I will be judged by how well I've loved my enemies those who gossip about me, those who speak unkindly about me, those who judge me unfairly, those who are hypercritical of me. You think as a pastor I don't get criticized? Are you kidding me? But I will be judged on how well I love those who were critical of me. I will be judged on how well I have served this church with my talents, my gifts, and the opportunity God has entrusted me with. God has not put us on this earth for us to live for ourselves. He's not. He didn't put you in this church to sit here and watch everyone else serve you. He didn't. He put you on this earth to be an influence for Christ, and he put you in this church to minister and serve others, not yourself. That's why you're in this church. So my question again is this. Are you doing what God has put you here to do, or are you just sitting back and expecting everyone else to minister to you? You know, I, you know, I don't like these pews. I don't like these chairs. I don't like this way. I, you know, why did he speak? Why couldn't I hear this guy speak? Instead of doing something and serving, well, I, why are we doing this and why are we doing that? we become hypercritical of everything around us instead of using what God has given us to have it be an influence in the kingdom for his glory. One day we will be held accountable before Jesus himself for what we did with what he gave us. Secondly, we will be judged according to the motives we had for service. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Remember that. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Friends, I'm a man of acceptance. I want to be accepted by everybody. And sometimes I just like an attaboy. And sometimes I will do some things, and this is an area of my life I'm trying to grow in. This is an area of my life I'm still struggling in as a growing Christian. That sometimes I will do things, and even today there's a chance I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask my wife, how did I do? Did I present the gospel? Did I do a good job? I want attaboys. And that's not bad. But there are some times when I'll do something nicely for somebody, and I did it quietly, and then I start to broadcast it a little bit. Hey, I did this for them. Oh, I did this for them. You know, I want to look like a big shot. And then I read this scripture and I went, oh, why do I worry about the praises of man when I've got all the praises of my heavenly father in the life eternity with him? He loves me. He loves me unconditionally. He's got this irrational love for me. Why am I so worried about the applause of men when I have the applause of heaven? You have the applause of heaven. Whether you do something that people see or don't see, when you do it under God, you get the applause of heaven. They're standing up there going, well done. Great job. Way to go. They're celebrating you up there. Good job. The applause of heaven should mean so much more than the applause of man. But why did these people do what they did? They did the, to get the praises from man. And then Jesus said... When they did good things for wrong reasons, they lost their rewards from God. Let me say that again. When they did good things for the wrong reasons, they lost their reward from God. Our motives for service are very important to God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, "...therefore judge nothing before the appointed time." Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At the time, each will receive his praise from God. Our motives, every motive will be judged by Jesus. Third, we will be judged about how we treated others. Jesus told us that the most important thing of life is how we treat God and how we treat others. How we treat God in our relationship with him in every aspect, and how we treat others in every aspect of our life with other people. In Luke chapter 6, it says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, not just great, very great. And you will be truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. One day we will stand before God and give an account about how we treated not just the people who were nice to us, but those who hated us, those who despised us, those who gossiped behind our back, those who backstabbed, those who spoke unkindly of us, those we struggled with in relationships getting along with, we will be held accountable for those relationships. Don't underestimate how important this is to God, don't. Because right now, if I ask you to think of somebody that you are struggling with, it's gonna come to your mind like that. Coworker, a boss, a family member, a neighbor, maybe a spouse. And you're struggling just struggling to treat them kindly love your enemies love those you struggle with love those who you have conflict with love those who are against what you believe those who are against your stance in life whether it's political religious personal whatever it is love those people Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And that comes to how we treat other people as well. Fourth, we will be judged according to our obedience in sharing Christ with others. Listen to this pretty startling Old Testament passage from Ezekiel, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life... That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. See, the responsibility of the watchman is to sound the alarm. God told Ezekiel, if we sound the alarm but others don't listen, then Ezekiel did all that he could. He did all that he could. But if an alarm needed to be sounded and Ezekiel refused to do so, then Ezekiel would have to face God about that. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's Old Testament, Tim. Well, listen what Paul, his encounter in Acts chapter 20. Paul is standing before King Agrippa, witnessing to him, trying to persuade King Agrippa to become a Christian. And he finishes witnessing to Agrippa, and he says this in Acts chapter 20. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of all the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now, listen because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Okay, this is important. You got to hear this. You are not responsible to talking people into heaven. You're not responsible to talk anyone into heaven. That's the power, that's the role, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. But you are responsible with sharing with others how they can get there. And for some of you right now, you're going, I cannot do that. I don't know scripture well enough. I can't present the gospel. I can't argue. I'm not a good, I can't debate with people. I can't, you know, have a conversation where I can get information. I don't process that. Your life's the gospel. Friends, your life is the gospel. Your words, your deeds, your actions, your behavior, that represents Jesus. I could see some of you, so many of you in here, I know I can walk up, I see Jesus in your life. That's the message of truth. That's the message of salvation. Isn't it? For those of you, I can't open. I don't know where to go in Scripture. I'm lost when I open this thing. So am I. That's why we come here every Sunday. That's why we study. That's why we open it up. That's why we let gifted teachers teach us. So then we could live it out. So many of you are afraid of this sharing the gospel thing because you don't feel qualified. God will qualify you through your life, through your words, through your prayers for people, through your actions. That's how you share the gospel. Romans 10, 14, we know this verse. We've heard it before here. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them, who is it that needs to see Jesus from you? Who is it that needs to hear about Jesus from you? Your life is the gospel. Your life is about grace and mercy and forgiveness and fresh starts. So what's the judgment day for believers? How is this described when we stand before Jesus from the, from the Bible's perspective? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, beginning in verse 11... For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward." If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. See, the building represents the effect of our life and our works here on earth. And the building material, some of it includes hay, stubble, wood. These are useless materials. They they represent wrong works or deeds done with wrong motives. Wrong works... Or deeds done with wrong motives. And when the fire burns it up, it goes away, it disappears. But then there's gold and silver and precious stones that are also available. These are good materials and represent good deeds, good works that we performed with the right motives. What's your house look like? If you had to envision what your house looks like right now. Is it made out of wood, hay, stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones? See, what Jesus is talking about here, we see in Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The day is coming when our building will be set afire, that day of judgment before Jesus, and it will be, we'll be standing there with the fire burning. Will you have gold and silver and precious stones? But even if it's all burned up, you'll still be in heaven because our foundation is in Christ. You may not have the rewards if you're building it with hay and stone and stuff, but our salvation is based upon our faith in Jesus. Our rewards are based on our works. Don't miss that. Our our salvation is based upon our faith in Jesus. But our rewards in heaven are based on our works. You can get in by the skin of your teeth, but would you really want that? So what we believe about our future, as we conclude this message this morning, should control how we live in the present. For some of you thinking right now my house is made, and if you're being honest with yourself, My house is right now, it's made out of hay and stubble and wood. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to begin to change your motives to living out your life as the gospel, to sharing the gospel. It's never too late to love all people and how you treat people differently. It's never too late, whether you're a brand new Christian or you've been walking with Jesus for a very long time and you know right now that if you had to stand before Jesus, it would not be a pretty picture because you know in your own life your works have not been what they should be. You have taken the talents and abilities and gifts that God has designed you with and you've kind of hid them and you put them away and you're not doing anything To use them for God's glory. Today you can do that. Today may be the day. On May 2nd, you may just simply say, I'm making a decision on this Sunday in 2021 that I'm going to begin to change my motives, to change how I treat people, to begin to share the gospel, to begin to love all people. I'm going to start that today because I want to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day and I want to hear these words, well done good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. I know you want to hear that. Jesus tells us, don't be afraid of judgment day. Don't worry about it. Don't fret over it. He tells us in all things that we should be motivated by the word judgment. That we should be motivated to know that there's a judgment day coming, that we stand before Jesus. So what are you doing with your life? What are you going to do different moving forward from today? There's some of you this morning, and maybe this is the first time you've been in this church. Maybe it's the first time you've walked into a church before, and, you, and you're hearing this thing about God, and you're thinking, hearing this person about Jesus, and today you're saying, you know what, I want, I want this. I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to know what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and be able to have the opportunity to step into heaven one day. You could have that today. If you'd like to talk to somebody about how that can happen, first of all, I would be, I'm down here, I'd love to talk with you. We also have a Next Step Center. It's a space where there are some great people that would love to meet with you. They're right through the doors to my right, your left. They're there for you. They would love to meet with you and talk to you. Maybe today you've been coming here for a while and you're like, you know what? I want to make Sugar Creek my home church. I want this to be my place where I call home with my family at Sugar Creek. You can do that as well. You can become a member of our church today, just stepping in to the Next Step Center. Lastly, there are many of you in here today that are going through some desperate things in your life. You need prayer. And it's okay to ask for prayer. It's okay for people to pray for you, to intercede in your, on your behalf. Those people in the Next Step Center would love to meet with you, to pray with you. Don't be nervous. They're there, they would love you unconditionally. They'll bring you in, they'll pray for you, they'll pray over you, pray a blessing over you. That's why they're there for you. Thank you so much for this time. Let's pray, and then we're gonna conclude. God, thank you Your word. Lord, may we never fear the word judgment when it comes to standing before you. Lord, this morning may we be motivated to know that Judgment Day is coming where we will stand before your Son Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And He will reward us for the work that we are doing, that we've done, and that we're going to do for your kingdom. Lord, would you use us? Would you allow us to use our gifts and our abilities and our resources and our time and our talents and our treasures for your sake? Lord, would you move us today in our hearts to use us where you want to use us? Maybe, Lord, today you're calling us to just step up and serve in some capacity at the church, whether it be a volunteer base, whether it's serve on a Sunday or midweek. Maybe it's to give of our resources. Maybe it's to give of our time. Whatever it may be, Lord, would you just motivate us today? Would you inspire us today to do that? God, I pray for those in the room right now that have not, they have been building their home with wood and hay and stubble. And I pray today, Lord, that this would be the day that they begin to build their house out of gold and silver and precious stones, lasting, that it will test the fire on Judgment Day and will be rewarded because today we made a decision to move forward in our relationship with you and with others. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.